Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the Lamplighters Podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. And we are excited to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. Um, Lynn, I'm looking forward to what you have to say today because this lesson seemed a little complicated to me. We're looking at Psalm 62 and Psalm 140, so I expect to be enlightened. (laughs) Don't set your expectations too high, Jan. Um, I did spend a lot of time uh, trying to figure these two Psalms out, not because they are so difficult to understand, but there's a complexity Mm-hmm. And so many layers. And I and I think this is a good thing for us to remember throughout this whole year sure. with the Psalms, that this is something that we are going to um, face over and over again. The Psalms are all that way. They're exactly. poetry, right? Okay. So every time I started in one direction, something would jump out at me that would cause me to move in another direction. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and start and see where we end up. Okay. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> yeah. We're going to end up somewhere. Okay. First, just so that everyone knows it's me and not an imposter. Let's look at a few definitions today. Mm -hmm. Um, The two words that we used as themes or topics for this lesson are refuge and rescue. So refuge is a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Or put simply, it's a form of shelter. Um, Rescue is to save someone from a dangerous or distressing situation. Now, in these Psalms, we are told Mm. that it is God who is both of these things. He is our refuge and our rescuer at all times. So these two Psalms, to me anyway, deal with similar topics, but in a very different way. Mm -hmm. When I read Psalm 62, it felt like David was almost joyous despite his circumstance. Where in Psalm 140, he seems a little bit more distraught and specific, shall we say, in his desire to be rid of his enemies. In both Psalms, however, he does turn to God for rescue and refuge. So the most obvious place for me to start with is the acknowledgement that there are different kinds of refuge. Mainly, there's physical refuge and there's spiritual refuge. Now, without question, my physical refuge is my home. It's where I want to be to escape the busyness of life and the chaos that often comes with just getting through each day. Mm. You know, I am and have always been a homebody. So I have set my home up in a way that gives me a great deal of peace and comfort. You know, I have different Mm -hmm. rooms that I can go to for different reasons. You know, my screen porch gives me an opportunity to be outside and hearing nature. It's my favorite place to play music and read. Uh, My garden, even though it's not in my house, it surrounds my house. We'll count it. Yes, is where I can escape an overactive mind. You know, it's really when I've got my hands in the dirt, I can really get out of my head. It's when I feel closest to God, mm. um, oftentimes. You know, and then my kitchen is where I go to escape to be creative and to love on the people in my life, especially when I'm unsure of what it is that they need for me. Because, you know, I can simply cook them some, something, <laughs> and that's me doing something for them. And it gets me out of that worry. 
Um, But each of these places is a refuge that I have created for myself. But they are about physical refuge, not spiritual refuge. Jan, what about you? Do you have a physical refuge? Um, Yeah, I do. I'll get to that in just a second because something just occurred to me when you said that. And then I think in my mind, I always associated refuge with a place and rescue with a person. Mm -hmm. But in actual fact, God is both. That's right. Okay, so I'm going to have to bend my mind around that for a little bit. But I'll go back to um, physical refuge. Uh I have several places, but I can't really separate them from the significant spiritual impacts those places have on me. Okay. my hiding place, if you will, is my special chair where I go for my quiet time every morning. Uh, it's the easiest place for me to be still and to know that God is God because He has met me there so many times in the oh, past. Yeah. So I go with the expectation mm-hmm. of that refuge. And uh, true confession, that's where I go when I also need a rescuer yeah. is to that chair. Yeah. Um I have a special place on our porch. You know, we have about a million rocking chairs mm-hmm. on our long porch. And it's a favorite place, watching the deer and the birds and gazing at the water in our creek when we actually have water in our creek. Mm-hmm. We need rain. Uh, but it's a place where my soul breathes. It's a refuge in the sense that it's a timeout spot, mm-hmm. uh, a place to focus on relationships, whether it's with God or my husband or friends. It's a place to connect. And I've noticed that it has the same effect on lots of other people. Mm-hmm. It's a place just to slow down and to be, and you would not believe what people will confess and talk about when they're sitting in those rocking chairs. Yeah. Um, and finally, just any place in God's creation recenters me yeah. on the Creator and His majesty and power. N- nature is a true refuge because it always puts me in my place mm. and elevates God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are really important places for all of us to have, because even in good times, the world can be a crazy place. Oh, yeah. And we need to have a refuge for our souls when life throws us those inevitable curveballs. Well, David was also very aware of this, (laughs) and he is quite literally looking for a safe place to shelter away from the enemies who are chasing him. But what is more important to him is being reminded of the safety and comfort he feels in his faith in God. He needs to remind himself who God is and who God has always been and who God will always be, no matter the circumstances. You know, right now, David is displaced. He doesn't have a home he can take shelter in, so he's crying out to God. And in doing this, he is reassuring himself. He's almost preaching to himself in a way about who God is. Hmm. And in this way, he is actually taking shelter in what he knows to be true about God. David is taking spiritual shelter in the promises of God. And isn't that beautiful? It's also instructive, which I will come back to in a few minutes. Mm Okay. Let's face it, we all love the familiar, but we will also all face times when nothing seems familiar. You know, it might be as simple as a physical move. You've moved from, you know, one neighborhood to another one or from Mm -hmm. one city to another one. But the fact is, you open that door to go outside and everything has changed. And sometimes it's a struggle to get your footing. You know, maybe it's something a little more dramatic, like, 
a loss of a job or the loss of a relationship that Mm -hmm. once made you feel secure, but that's been taken away and it's left you adrift. It could also be more in line with a tragic loss, you know, like a difficult diagnosis or, you know, the loss of a, a loved one that has really shaken you and completely shifted the very ground that's under your feet. Mm. And when we are displaced in this, any of these ways from the comfort and familiarity of our lives, there is always one place we can go. And that place is to God in prayer. We are always at home when we are in God, submitting to his presence. You know, David points to this in verse five, where he says, yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Even when we are displaced physically or emotionally, we can find a place of rest in being present with God. David is speaking this truth to himself. He is reminding himself that no matter his circumstances, God is his rock and his salvation. God alone. It's never God plus something else, which, you know, that's something that we need to do. God alone. It's it's, we'll get into this a little bit more. Yeah. But go ahead. Well, I just, I, I just think that David is displaced. He's running for his life right. from Saul. Right. And so he's wandering around in the desert, living in caves and mm-hmm. trying to stay ahead of Saul's assassins. And so he, there is no place of rest for him yeah. except God. Yeah. So sometimes, even when those horrible things happen to us, in some ways, it makes it easier to turn to God because we are without resources right. besides Him. Yeah. Um, and I love this idea of rest. It's, it's the concept of rest, much less the experience of rest, is so difficult in our world right now because it's increasingly filled with noise and mm-hmm. distractions and discord and, you know, all of the stuff that goes on. But rest is so important to God that it made the Big Ten. Yes, it did. You know, we are supposed to rest, physically at least, one day a week. And that Sabbath rest leads to spiritual rest, not mm-hmm. just that one day, but every day. And God knows we need it. Yes. Wasn't it important just to him? It was important to us. Mm-hmm. So David's seeking and finding rest under these impossible circumstances in his life tells us it's possible for us, too, mm-hmm. even when— you know, circumstances aren't the best. And the key, of course, is what you said, is to trust God like David did. Amen, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen in verses one through seven that David, with what seems like a great deal of pleasure and confidence, reminds himself of who God is and why it is that David can depend on him, while at the same time encouraging himself to wait on God and on God's pl- plan and on God's timing. Then we have this shift in verse 8, where David turns to instruction, and he says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I love this part, because for me, it's at the very heart of this year's entire study of the Mm. Psalms. You know, David is taking the time to issue instructions for anyone who finds themselves in need of rescue. And isn't that all of us, at least at some point? Absolutely it is. You know, when we know these things about God, we celebrate them and we can pass that on to others as encouragement. 
And he's telling us to do it by pouring out our hearts to God. And that's a perfect description of what the Psalms are and how we are to use them. We are to pour out our hearts. And that means everything we feel, the good and the bad, the praising and the complaining, the selfishness (laughs) or the not selfishness, the generosity, whatever it is we feel, because God already knows it. He wants us to be honest with him. So well, I think he wants us to be honest with ourselves, yes, too. Yes, um, <laughs> But yeah, often I think I'm hiding it from him. Yeah, I, know, exactly. I know how I'm being, but I want to hide it from him. Yeah. The joke's on me. So throughout this year, I'm going to be reminding myself of this verse in particular. You know, God wants all of my heart. So I want to learn to give that to him. And the Psalms, I think, are going to be how I'm practicing this this year, because the Psalms are actually a template to learn how to pour out our hearts to God. Mm. Um, Psalm 140 follows the same theme, but with a little more complaining, (laughs) which I also think is instructional. You know, God knows our hearts, so we can quit pretending with Him. (laughs) I love love what you said about David. Uh, It goes back to what... um, Laura Tuma said, I think it was last week, about David being the prayer coach. Mm -hmm. David has street cred. Yeah. Because he's lived a life where he had to run and hide, and he really knows. So I can trust him. This guy in Psalm 140, I'm not so sure about. (laughs) (laughs) But I love what our pastor Thomas Daniel said in one of his recent sermons. He says that God knows everything about us anyway, including all the dark and icky stuff that Mm -hmm. we'd prefer to hide from everyone. And a horrifying thought, we can't hide it from God anyway, right? right? Or ourselves. So we really should admit it. But what Thomas said is God doesn't love us in spite of those dark places. Mm-hmm. God loves us in those dark places. Mm-hmm. So by pouring out our hearts and being ruthlessly honest with ourselves and with God, then God can take all of those fears and pettiness and secret sins and all the ick and transform it. That's that's how we step into the freedom of, of God, is that we confess those things to Him. That's so true. And I think, Jan, when I said, you know, just a second ago that sometimes I try to hide this stuff from God, I think the reason I've done that is because I'm afraid He's going to reject me if He knows who I really am and what I really feel. Sure. So that's so important to remember that he loves us when we are in those dark places, and yeah. He can help us get out of those dark places. And we can't hide from God anyway. That's right. I mean, Adam That's and right. Eve tried. Didn't yeah. work for them, yeah. right? Okay, so here's my takeaway on this. Life is hard, Great. but it's harder when we spend all our energy pretending that it's not. <laughs> yeah. We need a safe place, a refuge in times of trouble. And as I said when I started out, my home is that safe place. But that is not what I am talking about here. And that's where the danger comes in Mm. in our lives, because that's when we're putting too much security in the worldly stuff. Sure. When I am in real spiritual trouble, there is nothing of this world that can calm me and make me feel safe. My house doesn't have the power to do that. My garden doesn't have the power to do that. Mm. We can try to believe that we have all the things set in place that we will ever need in this life to feel secure. But that's just fooling ourselves. Mm. There is nothing in this life that is permanent. This is a transitional, transitory, forever changing world. 
And if we think it's not, we are only setting ourselves up for a really hard fall. Mm. You know, when we, when, not if, when we are in some inevitable life transition, we can find that rest and sanctuary and refuge and rescue in God alone. We can rest even when we're on the move, literally or figuratively, when we seek solitude and intimacy with God. When something happens and our life as we've always known it is gone, completely shifted, we still have our one true refuge and he never changes. Mm. A new, scan, a new landscape in our lives is simply a new opportunity to see who God is, unchanging and ever-present, just waiting for us to pour ourselves out to Him. Isn't that beautiful? That, I mean, that really, is, that really is encouraging. Yeah. And uh, gives me a sense of calm and peace, but mm-hmm. you know, you know I have to bring this up <laughs> in part of Psalm 140. This is not going to be the first time we run into this issue. Uh-huh. Well, it'll be the first time maybe, but it's not going to be the last time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so verses 9 through 10 of Psalm 140 say, Those who surround me proudly rear their heads. May the mischief of their lips engulf them. It gets better than that. <laughs> May burning coals fall on them. May they be thrown into the fire, into miry pits, never to rise. <laughs> Now, that is a curse. It sure is. <laughs> Part of me is aghast that such language exists in God's holy word and that someone would have the temerity to actually <laughs> give voice to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about honest, open, and transparent. That takes nerve. Yeah. But, but true confession— Part of me also wishes that I'd thought of this curse a couple of times in my past yeah. when I've been really hurt. Yeah. It's very articulate. Yeah. Um, I did pray for revenge once, but um, God said no. I'm really grateful. I'm kind of leaving it to Him now. It just does, <laughs> revenge just rebounds back on yourself, right? That's right. Anyway, so tell me about this curse, Lynn. Okay, Jan. I am actually really glad that you brought this up because it is something that we are going to be seeing um, off and on again this year, and it can be troubling. So first of all, psalms that have this kind of cursing in in them are called imprecatory psalms. Um, But the question that I was asking myself, or I have asked myself in the past when I've read some of these curses, Mm. is, is it okay to curse? And sometimes in very graphic and violent ways, Mm -hmm. other people. (laughs) Yeah, and it's in the Bible, so why why shouldn't it be? And that (laughs) it would be easy to dismiss it. Yeah. And we could say, well, that's just Old Testament language. We don't talk like that anymore. But we can't say that that's not accurate because there are some of the same kind of curses in the New Testament. Now, it makes us very uncomfortable. But in truth, as you just confessed, Jan, it is also very much a part of our human nature, whether we want to admit it out loud or not. It has everything to do with envy and resentment, comparison and fear, even schadenfreude, which means taking pleasure in someone else's pain. Oh, good. I've learned a new word. Yes. So what's up? Are the Psalms promoting this behavior in us? Uh, One would 
hope maybe no. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so here's here's what I think. I don't have I don't have an answer for all of this the, this cursing. But here's here's what I have studied a little bit, and here's what I've come up with. It depends on why you're cursing, and there are a few reasons for that. I think let's look at some of the possibilities and see what I mean. First, these prayers encourage divine judgment, not human judgment. Mm -hmm. We are not talking about revenge here, Jan. As I've already said, we all have those desires in us. But when you look at how the cursing is done in the Psalms, it's not about the writer personally. If the Psalms are all about addressing God fully with all of our emotions, then David, in this case of Psalm 140 today, he's just expressing his fears and his anger at what is happening to him because of his relationship with God. He's asking God to take care of the situation. And in doing so, he's laying it all out there, not trying to pretty it up for God. He is asking God to take care of things, to do the judging, and the appropriate punishing. Even though he seems like he's sort of suggesting to God what the appropriate punishment might be. Don't we all do that? Oh, yeah. Now, notice also that most of the cursing is actually prayer, not petitions or requests. David Hmm. is not necessarily asking that God will judge them in the way that David is suggesting. Instead, he is trusting through his prayers that God will judge in his own way and in his own timing. It's also very important to remember that what we are reading here are curses in the Psalms. And what are the Psalms? Poems. They're poems. And because they are poems, they can use very extravagant and descriptive language, Mm -hmm. maybe less literal than, you know, what we hope. We don't really know what was in David's mind. Um, But the exact fulfillment of the curse is left to God. Notice that David is not taking justice into his own hands. Rather, he's leaving it up to God. Mm -hmm. And then I think probably the most important thing to remember is that these curses are expressions of moral indignation, not of personal vengeance. In In other words, for someone who knows God, It's unbearably wrong that those who persecute the faithful and turn people away from God should get away with it Mm -hmm. and often even to prosper. So these Psalms are prayers for God to vindicate himself, who he is, and to display his righteousness for all the world to see. Okay, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. And I just want to start off by saying this because it's my own conviction. Okay. Is that when we feel like letting loose one of these curses, it it benefits us to check what's going on emotionally within ourselves. Exactly. Um, we frequently see our own sins in someone else, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we should deal with our own issues first, which may require the hard work of forgiveness. Mm. Um, but assuming we have done all that, uh-huh. then we can come to God and lay our emotion at His feet and ask Him to take care of the situation. For his reputation. Exactly. Okay. So, biblical curses are actually prayers for God to act, not for us to have revenge, Mm -hmm. for God to act, and that we can trust that God will judge and execute justice perfectly in his own way and in his own time. 
Yes. Because it really is for his own reputation. Exactly. Okay. That's a lot to absorb. It is. <laughs> I'm glad we're going to have. We're going to have. You're going to have lots of opportunities oh, yeah. to absorb yeah. it. This I'm year. sure I'm glad about that. But I, yeah, we will. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, it's about that time when we leave our friends with a question for thought or meditation this week. So, what is yours for the coming week? So, I really want our listeners to spend a little time noticing in what or whom they take refuge. Mm-hmm. Is there something of this world? that you are trusting in, that you need to surrender in order to trust in God fully as your one true refuge. Mm. I think that's a really good one because there are so many that we trust our security to. So many people and things, money, family, friends. That's going to be a long list, Lynn. Yeah. Okay, I've got another one. What are some fill in the blank? What are some things, some circumstances, some people, some heart attitudes, fill in the blank, from which you need rescuing this week? Mm. And how can you be open to that rescue? Okay. Okay. We've got our work cut out for us. Until next time. 